Hello, and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk about the types of game media we consume. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the audience at home what we do on this podcast? Well, it's actually pretty simple. Uh, we like to talk about games. Um, and yeah, exactly. We, we wanted to offer a little bit of insight into how we look at, you know, gaming news, gaming culture, all that kind of stuff. Uh, because I think it obviously informs our perspectives on these things uh, quite a bit. Uh, yeah, uh, but before we get into that, uh, the recap for last week. What did we do last week? Because um, we only played Rune Lords. Yeah, um, yeah, we we played, yeah, because we did the retrospective on Iron Gods. We only played Rune Lords. Um, Rune Lords was um, fighting more of the hillbillies. Yeah, it was finishing off. Uh, it was finishing off the farm, the like the Grawl, Mammy Grawl's farm, uh, or whatever. I actually really enjoyed that session, mostly because I kind of just that's a, that's a lot of how I play a lot of my characters in the in like the kind of strategic sense. But I've been consciously avoiding doing it on Kenzo because it's out of character for Kenzo. And I just kind of didn't give a fuck last week, and so uh, I I had a lot more personal fun um, because you know I I liked out you know like I liked out thinking the fight uh, to a certain extent and like you know throwing people in the stuff and pulling people out of the out of the walls. I thought that all worked uh, that all worked really well. Yeah, no, I, I I had a lot of fun with it too. I got to use a bunch of my. Dumb little abilities. Dude, Woodside. What the fuck? I also think, it, like, just from a general sense, it's it's one of the more intriguing and... I don't know if it's well-designed combat-wise, but as kind of like an atmospheric thing, the, the Grawl Farm, I think, is one of the better uh, Paizo encounters I've, I've ever played or run. Because uh, I've also run that encounter. Yeah, to be completely um, honest, I'm a little sad that we split it. You know what I mean? This is something that, I, that I've kind of talked a little bit about in terms of Hell's Rebels, but I intend for some of, like, the bigger atmospheric dungeons like these to be run uh, as longer, like, weekend sessions rather than kind of, like, the, the almost choppiness of, uh, of our weeknights. Because we can only do, you know, two and a half, three hours or whatever it is, and that can kind of, like, hamstring it to a certain extent. And I really wish we had just done, like, the full farm in one big section, like like session i think that uh, I, I think like... there's a pretty natural so i don't think that splitting up the barn was good between the 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 the, the, the grawl the ogre fight and the spider fight but i think the barn and the farmhouse actually split against each other fairly reasonably like i think you can do each of those in their own session and not have it be too uh split yeah maybe i'm being uh maybe i'm just thinking a little bit too uh too hard about it or overthinking it um but uh but yeah i was uh, i was intrigued obviously i got i like these these black arrows uh hints where i get to do you know my my juicy juicy rp and and apparently my juicy juicy rp is also coming down down the uh down the pike so i'm i'm, I'm excited for for how that goes um uh. i yeah i how did i i'm uh i'm kind of surprised I, I figured that we were going to get the, that to this point, right? Like where like we figure out your backstory, you know, the amnesia parts of it or whatever. Um, 
uh, but I am definitely interested that it, that it ties into the Black Arrows. I kind of would have imagined it would have been a little bit later because Mark has kind of famously said he doesn't like a lot of books four and five, and I figured that there was going to be more, uh, you know, he was going to be hardcore I mean, homebrewing out some of that stuff. Yeah, it might also be that by padding out book three, he's just going to jump from three to, to the last parts. Um, I actually... I. We uh, our Runelords game is quickly catching up to my San Francisco Runelords game, so we're going to quickly get to the point where we're going to pass our game since we've made our primary game in San Francisco the Wrath of the Righteous game. Oh, have um, you guys? Uh, how did how did you guys do? Like, how did your uh, San Francisco guys like the Grawl Farm? Um, I because not... that group is like ridiculous like very opposite to this one i feel like just in terms of overall uh kind of tone like the players are all uh very different except for enoch who obviously is shared yeah i i feel like i think they enjoyed it um i think it over i so when when sometimes i had a track they really liked for it which is just kind of like electric with banjos type of track that just kind of like you know like kind of very dukes of hazard inspired song track and mm-hmm. I just kind of put it on and then I went on to DM the fight and wasn't really thinking about it and I know and like halfway through it one of my players just like oh my god and just threw on something else because he was tired of listening to the same is, just to be song. clear is that Charles yeah. <laughs> <That's>, yes <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like Charles to me um yeah um, it's uh but uh I think I, it was also a long time ago um at this point just because the, that 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 particular, uh, the Rune Lords sessions are very few and far between, but uh, I think they enjoyed it. Um, kind of more from a mechanical thing, because it was a very crawl for them. I also, for that fight, was it, it brought up some interesting things. Like, uh, you know how I how I told you, maybe it was uh, a couple episodes ago, how I had a, with Saver Suck, how I had a player that was like, oh, that's terrible game design. That happened in that fight. Oh, um, was it Mimi Grawl, uh... Or... Yeah, maybe grow. Um, actually, it was. Uh, uh, what was it? Um, our uh, uh, Alistar cast some version, like color spray, I think it was some area of effects, uh, stunning effect, and it knocked out. Uh, it knocked out Rygar for a round. Oh, right, right. That instance. Yeah, oh, we did talk it, about that a couple of. Like, maybe it was yeah. two episodes ago. Uh, there, there was a hold person that went off as well. Um, Oof, my and, favorite. And uh, the the uh, and and he wasn't affected by it, but uh, but Charles expressed his opinion that he thought that that Saver sucks spells were terrible game design. Yeah, I do, I uh, I've been thinking about it a lot more since we talked about that, and uh, I feel pretty confident. I'm at like eighty five percent at implementing a rally uh, action in hell's rebels i think that's just it's the it's the most elegant solution it's the one i like the most um yeah also also like some like it's kind of funny because hold person gives you a save every round but um uh like something like nauseous does not and i I find that i find that nauseated is actually the most frustrating condition because all you can do is take a move action oh really that's funny i uh so like staggered at least gives you the option of like a standard which you can turn to a move right but 
So uh, Warren, had, one one of my one of my friends, has come in to replace uh, Mark due to, to some scheduling conflicts with Iron Guys. I don't know if we've made that announcement yet. Uh, and so I was, and so he and I were kind of talking uh, about ra- his, uh, uh, his uh, Hell's Rebels, not Iron Guys. Sorry, yes, for Hell's Rebels. You, you keep doing that. I, I do I, keep I, doing that. Um, and uh, so you know, he wanted, to, and so he was looking at a lot of stuff to play. And uh, over the week, he and I had been talking back and forth about what he wanted to play. And he eventually settled on half orc. But he was like, you know, can you give me like, can you tell me all about like the half orcs of the region? And I was like, well, I haven't thought about that at all. Um, so I just kind of on the spot made up a couple of, uh, I made up three tribes of uh, half orcs. One of them, which is kind of like a buddies, uh, buddies game standard. Uh, which is, uh, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Genghis Khan or like Attila the Hun meets MLK. Uh, it's this half-orc mercenary commander named Regdar who runs around Galarian uh, and accepts all half-orcs into his, like, horde. Uh, and, they're, and they're a big mercenary company, but they also are, like, at this point, you know, this almost a mobile nation of, of half-orcs. Um, to, because, you know, Regdar hates, like, that kind of persecution. Uh, then I kind of made up some some stuff for the Shawanti uh, half-orcs, because the Shawanti humans come from that region in eastern Varicia, where it overlaps right, right by Belkzin. And I was like, there's got to be, like, a billion half-orcs there. Uh, so I just kind of made up some stuff for that. But then my favorite of the three was um, a nearby nation to uh you know Chilayax, but to specifically the the area of Chilayax known as Ravenel uh which is the the region that Kentargo is in it also borders borders uh Nadal which is you know uh it's a chelish ally neutral evil nation run by vampires uh and in the southern half of Nadal there are these like it's just on the map there's just like a couple little bumps and I was just like right there those foothills have a half-orc tribe called the Kolkari that the vampires uh, basically recruit from uh, to, to make, you know, part of their army or whatever. So I created these Kolkari Blackbloods, and Warren went whole hawk for the Kolkari. Uh, and, uh, so, but I made a campaign trait for it, and the campaign trait is when his orc ferocity triggers um, – because the, the, the Kolkari have been, like, fucked with by these, like, uh, you know, the, this vampire magic or whatever, uh, to link this back to our two minutes ago conversation, everyone, uh, every everybody in an adjacent square has to make a fortitude save or be nauseated for one round. <laughs> and I was very proud of that. Uh, mm. I was very proud that's, of that's that. That's neat. I like that. Um, I like it. Is, is he going to go Warlord? Uh, no, no, he's not going to Warlord. He's going okay. Blood Rager, actually. Ooh. Um, which I, uh, uh, I, to be honest, I probably shouldn't have recommended. He wanted to do Sorcerer at first, and then I was like, well, you know, we already have an Arcanist. But here's Blood Rager, which is half Sorcerer, half Barbarian. He was like, oh, this is great. And then I kind of realized after the fact that we have three, four uh, melee martially characters. Uh, not your, like, three and a quarter, maybe. Maybe your character's quarter of that. My, my, char- my character is, is, is like... He shoots a crossbow every round and misses. <laughs> that's probably the best. That's probably the best use of his time. Uh, I also think. Uh, I also every time I think of Jimmy's character as a hunter, I always always picture him as ranged. Even though I know he's not, he uses a harpoon or I'd rather a halberd, um, maybe a pike. I don't remember. He uses a, he uses a, a, a melee weapon. Is the point? 
Do you, so. know, do you know what bloodline he's going to go? I have no clue. Uh, I think it's going to be a fire-related bloodline. Uh, we talked a little bit about his backstory, which uh, uh, is going to be kind of related to fire magic. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're, but, you know, he and I are going to talk about it some more and try and, like, nail some things down. He has a great name for his character, too. Maragrug. Like, <laughs> just what a, great, what a great half-orc name. Um, uh, but yeah, if, if, if he wants any tips about blood raging, tell him <laughs> to let me know, because uh, I, oh man, we should probably, I really like that class. I really like that class too, actually, on like, kind of like rereads. I've done, I've done some rereads of those hybridized classes. I talked about this a little bit last week, which, um, you know, like the Scald is not poorly designed. It just like philosophically bothers me, but I think like the Shaman is like garbage design. Oh, I, 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 I would never I play no, Shaman. Mm. I don't. I don't. I don't understand what your problem with the shaman is. Like, I, I feel like your opposition to the shaman is it's not the type of shaman that you like. To, like, it defi- it's not your fantasy of the shaman. It definitely is that, but also I think the. Uh, I also think the actual class itself is just ridiculously muddled mechanically. Um, from you know, like it's kind of an oracle, but it has all of these witch abilities that aren't even interesting. In the same sense, you know, like, th- like part of what bothers me is, um, you know, like, blood raging, right? Blood raging is very similar to a barbarian's rage, but it incorporates the bloodline stuff. It is a very real fusion of these two things. But I feel like the hexes and, uh, the, like, the hexes of the shaman aren't a great... They're, they're just basically one-to-one from from the witch, you know what I mean? And I don't feel like there's enough oracle in the class. I don't feel like the druid spell list it, it just it's so strangely put together. And uh and it sucks because I, I do that. think there is I think there's kind of like a great there's a great fantasy uh in 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 the shaman uh that you know is kind of like a begging to be no. I don't know, better put together. But I actually like the but mechanically, I think the scald is actually pretty fine, right? Cuz it does do those things. It combine, you know, like inspiring rage or raging song or whatever it's called, you know, it's a very real combination of rage mechanics and bardic performance and I can't, you know, I can hit it because uh I think it should be an archetype. Uh, I just think it's just like I just think it should be an archetype. Um but I think mechanically it is pretty solid. Yeah, have you heard you and my latest scheme? Uh, no, actually, I haven't. Is what 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 scheme? Next is that? time, next time we're both in a, a game together as players. He's gonna play a trumpet scald, and I'm gonna play a war drum scald because those are two archetypes. <laughs> oh god. Um. Well then. Uh, yep. Yeah, I, I I we should probably we should probably this is one of those like we should put a pin in this. I you know in the same way that we did yeah, the occult classes, enough. I would like to come back to the hybrid class and really go down the list because uh, I like those classes a lot. I, I I think there's a lot of really great uh great stuff to talk about. But anyway, it's not why we're here. <laughs> Today we're here to talk about you know games media and stuff like that. Um, I think this is important just to like from an overview perspective because there's just so much content out there you know what i mean there's so much being written so much being said uh there's a lot of stuff where like gamer culture and gaming culture and all this stuff is treated as ubiquitous and to a certain extent i i think that's true right like there are some really big overarching questions about dlc right and about you know like the pc master race versus console pet like this is the overarching like hardcore gamer stuff that's in the culture um but, uh, you know, there's nobody who can kind of consume it all. So I wanted to take this opportunity to kind of explain 
and talk about the people that I follow, uh, the people that I like, the people that I dislike. I follow plenty of people that I really don't like at all, but uh, I think they have uh, an interesting perspective that is kind of worth uh, getting into. But I guess I'll jump right into it with, I'm sure you and I will have uh, plenty to say. I am obviously a Redditor, and uh, I, I, I follow many of the gaming subreddits. And I think, actually, it's funny because Reddit also thinks of itself as kind of being, you know, ubiquitous. And there's no such thing as, like, a default Redditor because it's always so, uh, you know, nuanced what what subreddits you have or what you're looking at or whatever. Uh, But I do kind of find Reddit to be an interesting group because of how um, kind of, like, anarchically... like free they are to be like as as popular as like populist as possible right like our gaming every week even i i you know i don't think about i don't think about certain releases as being necessarily big releases but then i go and i look at our gaming and like it's just filled with this with stuff uh from you know this game or that game um and to be honest i've gotten gotten into and out of games based on that i didn't actually know about deus ex human revolution until it was functionally recommended to me by like hundreds of posts on uh posts on reddit about it um but yeah, I imagine that I imagine that you uh, you're you're a big fan of the redditor as well. Yeah, I, actually, um, it is for like day to day, like what's the news in games? It's whatever shows up on my Reddit feed. Um, you know, like my my kind of method is is I don't read uh, a ton of direct. Um, uh, I don't directly see a lot of games news at the moment. I mostly. Kind of see what's in Reddit, and then if I'm interested in something, I'll go hunt down more details about it manually. But uh, yeah, and that's that's definitely true. Games, gaming. Um, I like I like true games a lot, or true gaming. Oh, I love true gaming. Me and true gaming but, are best buds. But but it, you know, I, I don't really like it for. Uh, I don't like it for news. Obviously, I like it for like discussions of. Uh, discussions of mechanics and whatnot, like the, it's, yeah, I definitely not like the kind that. of stuff that we do on this podcast. <laughs> uh, um, I definitely like it because uh, you know, I, I our gaming is the top of our gaming is always going to be you know like you know weird screenshots from a super popular game like GTA. 5, you know, like I'm looking at the top post right now is a Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, uh, gif where somebody does something really cool on luke skywalker right you know and and i think that's exactly what our gaming is and that's what our gaming wants to be um but the comments are all going to be just like one-liners you know like one yeah. one joke things and so it's it's like it's great to understand what people are talking about but not necessarily anything more uh you know substantial than that so to speak i, I think our games is better for like general news discussion like that tends to be a little bit more of uh kind of pulse on that yeah i i uh follow i follow like a million of these subreddits uh because i think they all kind of in a weird way have their own uh specific niches because there's yeah. uh, gamer news our games are gaming uh gaming for gamers which uh i i kind of don't understand where this subreddit came from but they always have random ra- like random stuff that is kind of against the grain almost uh the top of our gaming for gamers right now is a discussion on life is strange's ending a list of great strategy games on the pc um 
Metal Gear and the Cold War like analysis like it, it, it's huh. it's always filled with weird stuff that I just wouldn't see other places. Um, I haven't heard of that one. I'll have to check it out. It's gaming for gamers. Yeah, w- for not... the number four. Okay, and not gaming for gamers. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. This this is a. Th- I love this kind of stuff. This is a thirty eight minute YouTube video on. Uh, this is a thirty eight minute minute YouTube video on Battle Gear and the Cold War. I eat this stuff for breakfast. I love. I love. Um, you know, watching watching those kinds of uh, of like essays and stuff like that, um, and oh. reading those kinds of discussions. So 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 is it the type of place where watch watch for Rolling Rocks point five presses would belong? <laughs> that is probably uh this is probably where that would belong oh man oh man what oh man I, I actually kind of want to take a second just to like uh oh, that that video it's like it's so for, for I'll, I'll put a link in or i'll, I'll have buddy's gonna do the editing this week Ooh. Ooh. I'll, I'll have him put a link in the description of the uh of the episode um but uh it's it's a video uh for those who don't know of of a man who is obsessed with beating uh, Super Mario sixty four in the least number of A button presses possible, <laughs> um, and he has a lot of techniques to do this. And apparently, he just kind of puts up the videos with uh, with like the number of presses it takes him to get each star, and um, kind of just demonstrates it. And so, for this one video, he decides to sit down and explain all the things he does, and it's like a minute and a half of content. But or a minute and a half of like him actually getting the star and like twenty minutes of him just explaining how like parallel universes work. Um, which the, if you, I, if if you heard me you heard oh. me right, listeners, parallel universes in Super Mario sixty four. Um, which if you're a, if you're a computer scientist actually has some interesting explanation there. But uh, it's, see, uh, it's funny because um, first of all, speed running and stuff. Like, I understand it, but I don't. Care. Yeah, I get speed I running. I definitely I, do. I, I, I don't care. Uh, it, that's one of the few things you know. I like, or not one of the few things. Probably one of the many things. Uh, that, but it's one of the things that I just consciously am like. You know what? I'm not gonna. I just don't want to get into this. I don't care. Uh, um, but this is like, if this is like speed running on like crack. Um, like, I, it's, it was, it was insane. That whole video was just absolutely insane. Yeah. No, like, like I, I, th- that's the part of the thing too, right? Like I understand speed running, right? Like, like you, I'm not the biggest fan of it. I don't particularly care about it, but I get the kind of draw of beating a game in the least amount of time possible. Um, and even though I'm not big into it, I'll do something like I watched a video of someone beating new Vegas in like 20 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Dude, I saw that video. That was nuts. Yeah, and so, you know, you, you can appreciate that from a certain extent. But my ability to appreciate beating Super Mario Brothers in, in like, eight A-button presses where you have to do, like, multiple, like, multiple days of, like, stretching the engine to its limits, uh, that that's just something that, that goes a little bit beyond my ability to appreciate outside of, like, this kind of... <laughs> Ironic appreciation of this particular video. Oh uh, yeah, I definitely, I wholeheartedly feel that. Um, oh, yeah. I'd also like to point out that any of you Henrys listening aren't welcome. Oh, <laughs> right uh, that would make sense when you watch the video, listeners. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that, that, I I like Reddit. I think I think of Reddit as being kind of a good baseline to draw from. Um, it's it's. 
it's really tough uh, because everything is, you know, obviously there are like Redditors with names and everything, but everything is actually functionally anonymous uh, in kind of discussions on Reddit. Uh, so there's not a lot of uh, you know personality in the same way that there are uh, you know there, there's there's obviously personality in um, you know a named person's named review of a named game kind of thing. Um, yeah, um, I, I actually it's kind of interesting because you say that, but like the fact that there are upvotes and downvotes do keep it like it's kind of like having a conversation in a room of people, um, whereas something like say slash v on 4chan. People don't have to worry about their their posts being downvoted into oblivion. That's so they just true, kind of yeah. say exactly what whatever they're thinking, and you know can be inflammatory if you want. Whereas Reddit, because of the downvotes, keeps people at least fairly civil, which is which is valuable if, yeah. for for that type. And of it also and it does and it does a really good job of approximating this kind of idea that I'm getting at. Uh, you know where the popular ideas will be upvoted. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah. uh, this is and this is especially true on like hu- the huge subreddits uh, to a certain extent. But you know, like, if somebody exp- if if somebody posts a screenshot of someone's, you know, Nintendo sixty four collection, you can tell a lot about the gamer culture by just reading through those comments and seeing why it's upvoted and how it's upvoted. I think because uh, you know, I if I were to post the same thing for my playstation 2 collection uh i don't necessarily know that i would get you know what i mean like i think i think the 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 ecosystem of that kind of stuff can it can be pretty informative um yeah in a, in a general sense but uh anyway uh yeah what uh hit, hit me hit me with one hit me with one of your one okay of yours. well I'll, I'll talk about the the one that i listen to the most dedicated with um and it's it's another podcast um, it's, uh, uh, super best friends, the super best friend cast. Um, they are a primarily a YouTube channel that does let's plays Um, they started on machinima. Um, but they do a cast every week. They talk about what they, what they did that week. Um, what's in the new gaming news and various century, other things, sometimes movies, sometimes anime, sometimes other stuff. But, uh, I like them a lot cause they're like, they're relatively normal dudes. Uh, a couple of them did testing for Ubisoft Montreal, or I think they just did kind of like testing in 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 Montreal, and they kind of like did the like you have mentioned in the past that you that you have friends that kind of are testers and just kind of float around between the different yeah, that companies. Yeah, that there. happens. That happens a lot. I mean, that happens a lot here in LA because you know Activision Blizzard, 2K, uh, uh, obviously stuff like Riot, Square Enix. Asian companies, Nexon, uh, stuff like that. It's just people hop around between these all the time. And yeah. Ubisoft, and you know, Ubisoft Montreal, Eidos Montreal. Um, uh, I guess technically, uh, I think the the Bioware office in Canada isn't there. I think that's in Edmonton. There used to be one, but I think I think it's gone now. Yeah. I think also, um, uh, oh, who were the guys? The, the the big one that closed down like maybe a year ago the ones that made them um, darksiders uh oh yeah that was a big deal uh, uh i'm blanking yeah the, their name escapes me but i think they were based around there but it, and and you know that's that's the way that that kind of goes right there you got a couple of big companies and people who end up um either f- uh, fired or or laid off end up spinning up their own smaller studios too so you get a, like montreal i think is actually um like the the big it's I think it's probably one of the biggest cities in North America for for game development. Yeah, I definitely it's it's I think LA maybe even bigger than San Francisco, which I think is like 
Well, San Francisco, I also think is a little bit interesting because I feel like it's a little bit more. First of all, it seems like every indie game ever is from a studio in San Francisco. Uh, but also, uh, I think of the big three as being uh, Seattle, LA, and Austin because I also think Austin is gigantic. Uh, for is Seattle stuff. really that big? Uh, I, I, I guess I don't really know. Uh, but, uh, you know, I have, I have a friend who works up there for ArenaNet. Um, we both have a friend that works up there for ArenaNet. Yeah. Um, uh, the Microsoft, uh, obviously, like the Microsoft head right. offices uh, are up there, even though Microsoft has offices kind of everywhere. Um, they have, they're big Xbox offices, actually, in Santa Monica as well, um, which is in L.A. So, but yeah, I definitely agree yeah. with you. I think Montreal is... Uh, yeah, no, I, I like I've, I've always kind of thought of Mont- Montreal as potentially being the second biggest one in North America. Because Austin is big, but I don't think it's that big. And San Francisco is weird because like if you count mobile games, it's very big. But yeah, yeah, that's like, true. Yeah, Zynga, right? Yeah, Zynga, um, yeah, Zynga and, and all of those. All it's like mobile games feel very Silicon Valley, and they are all in Silicon Valley for the that, most part. So. I would one hundred percent agree with that. Um, um, but anyway, to get to get to the, get back to the Super Friends cast, uh, they all. Live in Montreal. A bunch of them used to do testing work, um, and they're they're mostly normal guys. Um, they tend to like character action and fighting games a lot more than other genres. They're not super big into FPS, or so it's it's interesting to see their takes on things from that that kind of perspective. Um, uh, from from uh from a perspective of 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 a non mainstream gamer, essentially, but they'll still report on on the big stories from other things, and it's interesting because they're like. They're not really in the industry, um, like not at all anymore. None of them test anymore, and it's not. And they have some connections. It's not like they use them to inform their their opinion. So it's it's very interesting to kind of see like they're they're they've got a big following, but they're you know they're not like journalists. They're not uh, people with significant connections that that get used. So it, in the same way, kind of like say uh, maybe like a total biscuit or something like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I honestly, I have a very mixed relationship with Super Friends uh, because you recommended them to me. But uh, I have a really very hard time with that podcast. First of all, that podcast is gigantic. Uh, yes. Second of all, I have the hardest time. I, I And maybe this will just come with time, right? Maybe I just need to like, like just tough it out for like, you know, five, four hour podcasts or whatever. But all of these guys sound exactly the same. And I have no clue. No clue whatsoever who is talking individually compared to anyone else. And that makes some of these conversations and arguments and perspectives like impossible to follow uh, because it just kind of it, – it, it, it's almost – it's impossible for me to, to follow the conversation uh, because I don't know the – you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, and, I, I can uh, understand that. I did watch their full Let's Play. I watched their full Let's Play of, uh, of Silent Hill 2. Um, which I won't say because I just remembered that Mark asked me not to say something about that. But, um, yeah, I watched their full Let's Play of uh, Silent Hill 2 uh, at the same time that Mark did, um, which I liked a lot to a certain extent, but, man, Let's Plays let's plays bug me. I have a hard time with Let's Plays. Um, uh, see, I, I, I don't know. I like Let's Plays because in some way, like, you know, for some of them, it's a game that's either mediocre or bad. And I'm watching it mostly for the laughs. Um, or it's a game that, like, I don't intend to play myself. Or a game that, like, one of my favorite Let's Plays, like, two of my favorite Let's Plays from, from Super Best Friends are, for a bad for a game that isn't so great, um, Heavy Rain has excellent commentary on it from the Super Best Friends. It's just hilarious. And for a very good game, um, The Walking Dead, I watched them do a full Let's Play of it. 
and the Telltale Walking Dead. Just yes, for yeah, yeah. Sake. Okay, uh, season one. Um, yeah. and uh, you know, it was it was pretty great. Like, it's it's not only is like you know if I can get the 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 experience of seeing that game, um, by watching it, and uh, I can also hear this this great funny like I th- I think they're they they hit their stride really well in that game as well. Um, I don't know. I, I really like watching watching them do it and funnily enough, like I, I have trouble watching them play games that I've played. Like it's 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 an easy way for me to kind of absorb a game that I don't feel like digging into myself. Like uh I've fallen off of it and maybe I'll pick it back up, but I like watch them play most of uh uh or they're they they've done they've been doing Final Fantasy ten. Um they did Devil's Third, which I watched the whole thing of which is a game I never would have played on my own. Um that kind of thing. Well, I guess I've stunned Buddy into silence. I'm just thinking. Um, yeah, I, I. So, yeah. Sorry, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Uh, I kind of get where you're coming from, and I agree. Uh, for a lot of games that I don't intend on playing. A Let's Play does a pretty good job of it, right? Like, I watched the full Let's Play uh, of, uh, you know, like, Five Nights at Freddy's um, because I just, I didn't want to, I just didn't want to play those games. But, um, I don't know, there's something about, like, kind of the, like, the, uh, like, the insight per hour if I, if I were to, like, make a rate of that, Let's Plays have such a low rate of that that a lot of the times what I prefer to do in certain situations uh, is I'll go to, like, Wikipedia or, you know, like, the the actual wiki for the game. A lot of the times there is one. I did this for Metal Gear Solid The Phantom Pain, for instance. And I'll read the entire plot summary. And then I'll just listen to or watch uh, or uh, read... Uh, you know, these people like, like the reviews and the critiques and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and that's a lot of how I digest these games, um, rather than, uh, a let's play because I feel like the, I feel like the, I'm getting the same amount of stuff more or less, but I'm scrunching it down into, uh, a much more manageable time, time frame. Um, because there is a lot of dead time in, in Let's Plays, um, and to a certain extent, I think a lot of games are not meant to be Let's Plays. Uh, no, absolutely. You know, I like, a, a, a Let's Play of, I'm trying to think of, like, a game that would just be, like, tedious. Like, a Let's Play of Pokemon, right? That oh, yeah. must be so tedious to go through every single one of the, you know what I mean? Like, every grass, uh, w- random encounter, and when you're grinding up levels on your, like, you know, Kadabra or whatever, like, that just must, oh, that must suck. I would never want to do that. Uh, because, you know, when you're playing that game, that grinding feels good when you're playing the game or whatever, but when you're just watching, it's uh, it's it's not it's yeah. there. Yeah, and, and sometimes you can solve that with editing. Like, I watched, again, Super Best Friends do a super uh, full playthrough of uh, Chrono Trigger, um, and they had a part where they had to grind up, and they just, they just straight up skipped over it and came back. Yeah, um, that's definitely uh, that's definitely true. I really appreciate that. Part of the reason that I was able to watch those Five Nights at Freddy's videos was because uh, uh, they were edited down to about thirty minute chunks. Uh, that you know, it, it wasn't like you you could tell. Uh, I watched the Markiplier ones, by the way, for people who don't know. Uh, Markiplier being a uh, 
I guess he's pretty famous at this point. Uh, but uh, he, he's, he's really known for, like, flipping out and, like, yeah, these reactions are pretty canned, uh, sure, or whatever. But, uh, it, it, you know, uh, the fact that he edits down, like, his seven hours of grinding the hardest night setting into a 30-minute chunk uh, works out, uh, I think, for, for like, that, that kind of format. Yeah. And uh, I, I spoke very loudly and it echoed in here. I love um, how, by the way, we're shitting on Let's Plays when we literally host a Let's Play of our D&D game every oh, single yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like, hmm. I think D&D is an easier thing. Like, I, I think it also lends itself to the type of game, right? Like, um, for games that I want to hear the whole story of without the kind of Wikipedia executive summary of, um, Let's Plays are good for that. Um, for something like um, The Walking Dead. Which, um, at the time I started watching it, I had no intention of ever playing. Uh, and so I think it's good for that thing with very story-rich when there's always something happening that's interesting. Yeah, those, um, the, those games really make uh, – they, they, yeah. they lend themselves to it, I think. Um, and then on the other hand, games that are very, very bad that I think they'll get a lot of comedy mileage out of I think are also fun to watch. Um, an example of that would be like Silent Hill Downpour. Um, I feel like there and, just hasn't been a good Silent Hill game since Silent Hill 2. Oh, every every uh, time I hear any Silent Hill game besides Silent Hill 2, people are shitting on it for being terrible. Yeah, most I think <laughs> Silent Hill 3 may have not been that bad, but I can't remember. I, I have never played any of them, this is all. Yeah, um, I feel that. The Super Best Friends are super big fans of, of that series as well. And Downpour um, was one of the, was the game that, because um, Pat is, is, is a super big fan, and uh, Matt is, is relatively inexperienced, and so that was... Uh, a big one for them, um, but some of the one of the things they do do too is that for their machinima videos, they'll take a a game and do like a ten minute, not so much a let's play, but like a su- executive summary, I guess, of it, and it's, it's just a straight comedy for for you know comedy bits for ten minutes, and yeah, I, I kind of like that. I feel that. Um, anyway, uh, I guess moving on, uh, another guy who I think uh, th- this is a big touchstone for me more than it is a guy. I like or I agree with um, uh, anymore, uh, I guess. But I follow Total Biscuit pretty regularly. Uh, I guess I'm subscribed to him on YouTube and everything. I follow him on Twitter and stuff, even though he just quit Twitter. Um, and I'm a part of his absolutely ghastly subreddit. His subreddit is terrible. Uh, it's just filled with idiots. Um, but, yeah, I'm uh, subscribed to that subreddit, but I don't often visit. Um I just don't have a uh, like a thermometer, I guess, for it. Uh, yeah, well, I I guess I'm, I, this is part of partially me seeing a very specific window because um, I, I feel like a lot of the upvoted stuff it's pretty shitty. It's just it's just bad. Total Biscuit himself really doesn't like the subreddit. Um, it, it's not you know uh, uh, one of the things that that caused him to quit Twitter uh, in kind of news relate, related is. The other day, um, he did a, he did a, a video on Warframe, which is a freemium game, and uh, someone was critiquing his review or whatever about the game because of how the the freemium content was kind of talked. And honestly, I thought I thought the criticism was at its core very fair, but the post itself was pretty poor uh, at laying that stuff out. And Total Biscuit responded to that by just saying, "I." I could give a fuck, right? I'm not, you know, I'm going to talk about Warframe the way I want to talk about Warframe. I'm not going to listen to this. Uh, uh, And uh, he got like a gigantic backlash against that, which is just stupid. That's just bad. 
Um, but yeah, I, I pay attention to him because I think he's probably the best in the business at the kinds of reviews that I don't like, which are product reviews, right? Total Biscuit reviews games, I feel, a lot like a consumer reporter reviews light bulbs uh, in terms of functionality uh, and, and, and that kind of stuff. And I think... They're not I, reviews, though. Uh, yeah, God, shut up. There you go. Um, uh, uh, so, so honestly, from my perspective, I, I like him a lot because... If I want to know if my game will run well on my PC, he's the guy I go to. Well, that's exactly um, what I, I mean. That's I don't, what I, I mean. Don't think, it's but about I don't think functionality. He, I don't think he wants you to go to him to find out if the game has like an intriguing deep story. I think he wants you to go just to find out if you can get sixty frames on it. Right, and that, and and I and I think that's okay, right? But I think that in general, like my overall, uh, my overarching kind of one of my overarching criticisms about uh, kind of games media and this stuff in general is that there is much more of a focus on functionality compared to, um, you know, it's one of those things where. I, this this comes because I'm a film person. Like I'm a film guy. I pay attention to film. I've read like all this stuff. I really like uh, you know like like critics and all that kind of stuff. And it's the exact opposite, right? You know, like nobody nobody does that for movies. Um, but I feel like it's, it's a hard thing to do for movies, right? Like you're, you're never right. going to pop it, a DVD it, into your DVD player and have like the the remote not function sure and like and i and i as a reviewer can't talk about the screen at your at your thing right like this is kind of a this would hypothetically speaking be the uh be the translation right like if i go to my local amc and i go and watch kung fu panda 3 but the screen is tiny and the sound is poor well that doesn't matter because the reviewer lives in alabama you know what i mean like that kind of yeah that that could be a review of the theater not of the of of the content and so uh i think total biscuit is like super far on that side and i agree i and i I, well i I tend to not have functionality issues in the first place um but uh if when when i want to think about it in terms of kind of like a functionality way uh i look to i look to total biscuit but i also think that his style of reviewing which focuses a lot on functionality um which focuses a lot on um Kind of appraising uh, the – I think the one kind of critical thing like he does that makes him like a critic is he does get into gameplay and he talks about gameplay and he talks about uh, whether or not this gameplay is engaging or it's uh, off-putting. But uh, it's it's always – it's very superficial I feel like. Um, It's not a big – he he kind of rarely really delves into what makes the game – engaging or not he just kind of says this game is engaging or not um but i also think uh, you know so so that's why i follow total biscuit i also think he has a great personality just in general he, you know he's the kind of guy that i can totally watch a 45 minute video uh where it's you know whatever game civ- civilization beyond earth um and uh i'm with him the entire time because he doesn't he doesn't like bore me he can like carry his uh his cast uh, yeah no I, I i enjoy watching him very much um in some ways because he's got like a strong strong what i'm gonna call like a strong sense of of consumer advocacy which which is exactly what you you know you're i'm not gonna say taking issue with but pointing out is not the kind of criticism that you enjoy or the, that you're looking for in most of your things but 
that kind I of... I 100% take issue with it. I 100% there's too much of it in the industry. Or not in the industry, but in the culture. <laughs> um, I See, I, I, I'm going to disagree with that, right? Like, that's it's, it's part of... In, in the same way that, like, you know... It, you know, maybe it's separated in a different medium, but you need to know if your television is good or not. I think that that's an integral part of, of how games... Uh, of, of what game... of They're an integral part of what games are. If you have the best game ever, but it won't run on your machine because they compiled it wrong or something, you need to know that. I While I agree with that, I think it's a very... There's not a lot... There's not much more to it than that, I think. I think that is something that is... You know, like, at best, I can spend five minutes figuring out whether or not Assassin's Creed Unity is a buggy piece of shit or not. And it is. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I kind of... Uh, you don't you don't think that, like, something systematic, like, like uh, low frame, systematic low frame rates would, would, would ruin your enjoyment of that game? Uh, I don't really have a big problem with frame rates in general. 30 FPS I'm, doesn't bug me as much. <sighs> So maybe that's that's kind of a personal thing, but I, I see what you I see what you're getting at. Uh, ye, to a certain extent, sure, right. Uh, but I don't think it's the re- I, I don't buy or I, I I I feel like I never buy or not buy games because of the frame rate, right? Or sorry, I I do not buy games because of frame rate. Uh, but I I never like buy a game because it runs really well. You know what I mean? And yeah, so no, like I feel that uh, to a certain extent, mm. I think it's valuable, right? Because it is there to ward me off of the Assassin's Creed unities of the world. Um, but it never advocates for me to purchase this. Uh, and I think that's a big, you know, that's, that's something that's lacking. Um, I also I, think, I, I, I also fair. think diff, like, I think the depth on the, the other side of that, on like the advocacy side of that is, uh, uh, I do want to see people talk about systems, right? And I want to see them talk about, you know, is this system robust and why? And how can I sink my teeth into it? Uh, so I really do look for uh, I, I look for that kind of thing. Um, the other thing I like about Total Biscuit is every once in a while he puts out those videos that, like, I will now talk about this topical issue for, like, 27 minutes, uh, which are a great, great way to get um, kind of a basis in whatever that topical issue is at the moment. Um, some, uh, you know, other people do similar things where they'll kind of, you know, say like, hey, this is an issue that I want to, uh, I want to di- di- dissect. Uh, but he does it kind of the most often out of anyone, I think. Um, and I don't agree with him all that much. I, he probably has like a 50-50 success rate in, in getting me to advocate for his side of, uh, uh, or his perspective of the issues. But I appreciate that he does those videos because I like them a lot. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I enjoy those videos. Um, anyway, yeah, who's uh, who else do you have on your docket? Who else do you pay attention to? Um, I'm going to do a two for here because they're relatively small. Um, uh, they are Play for Real Gaming and Esports Express. Oh, God, um, Esports <laughs> Express. <laughs> um, Play for Real Gaming is, is in the same uh, vein as Esports Express. If you are unfamiliar, um, they are both satirical sites um and i enjoy them not only because they're entertaining but because like they're based enough in truth or based enough in a real event they can kind of go look at the real event that's happening and and laugh about it um i think they're like especially esports uh, play for real gaming hasn't been around for rather hasn't been updating as much recently um but he's but you know just the the flavor is is so good and, and it's so biting that like i don't know it's it's very entertaining um, and like I said, 
it's it's based enough in fact that I can I can learn some stuff about say the esports world or the gaming world that I might have missed otherwise. Um, like uh, like you know five hundred ninety nine US dollars type of deal. I mean I'm sure I would have come across that anyway, but that 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 kind of thing. Um, and I, I, I enjoy I, I enjoy I enjoy it when a a new source manages to entertain me while I'm reading about it because it keeps me much more engaged. I very rarely uh, I I do pay attention to those places, but I very rarely think of them as like they're jokes, you know, at the end of the day. And they're topical jokes, but like it's I'm not I'm just much more uh concerned with people who actually, you know, sink their teeth into these things. Um so yeah, I definitely appreciate the entertainment value of it, but obviously I wouldn't say that Esports Express or Play for Real Gaming is uh uh, uh you know a place I look for news. <laughs> um, I don't. I, I think you're you're kind of discounting like the 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 effective satire, right? Like they, uh, you know, the 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 detail of the satire is deep enough that you can the teeth kind of do get sunk into it. Albeit it's kind of obscured through through the lens of satire, but I, I do think they they do poke into like the core results of issues or like the, the core causes of issues. Not always. Uh, I'll I'll give you that, but. I do think that they're 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 just slightly better than just than just jokes. Uh, uh, fair enough, I guess. Um, um, yeah, but, I don't yeah. know. Uh, uh, I don't know what. I, I guess we can throw it back saying. to you. <laughs> fair enough. Um, uh, the next guy I talk. Or I, I like who's kind of like he's a he's a lot like Total Biscuit to a certain extent. They both have very similar sensibilities, but he does he delves into the my my stuff uh, better. But I like Eric Kane a lot uh, from Forbes. Um, I like him. I I follow him on Twitter. I am actually literally reading a tweet of his right now that says, "I swear, everyone is so obsessed with being outraged, you can't even have a basic conversation anymore." Uh, which I kind of sort of agree with to a certain extent. But I, I think he's really good at doing both. I, I think he's probably, you know, this is actually sound, I kind of only just discovered this in thinking about it just now, but he's probably the reviewer that I agree with the most in a lot of scenarios um, where I can read his review of something and feel like I know I'm getting my kind of game from it. Um and that's important, you know what I mean? Like, his sensibilities also line up with mine. Uh, and he also does have a really great knack for uh, uh, delving into problem areas uh, from, like, a design perspective or a story perspective and explaining why those things don't quite work, uh, which I really appreciate for somebody who puts out, you know, reviews kind of before I, you know... When I buy Fallout 4... Uh, you know, he's the guy that's going to give me a review that talks a little bit about how, you know, the RPG side of things kind of got slashed uh, in favor of uh, the, the, the combat side of things. I thought Paul Tassie did Forbes, uh, Forbes Fallout 4 review. Uh, you know, you might be right. I, I, it, 
whatever the case may be. I'm just using an example of uh, you know his Dragon Age no, Inquisition. The thing he, the review, thing he right? would do, yeah, yeah. yeah his, he, uh, I, I, Eric Kane did Dragon Age Inquisition last year, and he lines up basically 100% where I put it, which is uh, you know it's a great game. It's got great characters, great story. Uh, the mechanics are super, super. Uh, awesome and everything like that the big stumbling point of that game is uh getting lost in the open worldness of it uh and you know tracking down the the shards and stuff and those mini games are fun and everything like that but it's very easy to tire yourself out by doing that kind of menial bullshit and never getting around to actually finishing the game itself um and that is like spot for you know like that that review uh before obviously, I I hadn't even downloaded the game. That review hit every single point of my my own uh, assertion of that game, uh, which by the way I like a lot. I'm just saying it has some problems. It has has some of those has some of those issues in there. I bet you it's going to be the same thing for Andromeda. Uh, I think Andromeda will likely be better. They're they're actually very. Um, I think they're kind of different just for, by virtue of. Uh, Mass Effect is in Montreal, or not Montreal, is in Edmonton, and uh, Dragon Age is in Austin. There's not a lot of, like, bleed between, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not a lot of bleed between those teams, I think. Um, okay, well, well, we'll see. I, I just, when when I hear that the Andromeda's going to be about exploring a new galaxy, I just can't help but imagine Inquisition-style exploration. As long as they do better than Mass Effect, uh, as long as they do better than Mass Effect One, I'll be a happy camper. But I think uh, I think the problem was Inquisition was very narrative focused. Uh, the, the the specific reason why I don't think this will be the case. Um, Inquisition was super narrative focused, so the open worldness took away from that. But I think because Andromeda is kind of from the ground up, built around this open worldness. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, that's the goal of the game. Obviously, there's going to be a narrative. Obviously, there's going to be characters and everything like that. Like, I'm sure we can all uh, expect expect that stuff. Uh, I think it'll be a bigger focus, and it won't have the kind of, like, secondary uh, aspect to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, that makes sense. Uh, also, yeah. by the way, I, I have seen literally everything that's been put out from Mass Effect Andromeda, and that is not anywhere near enough to make any kind of you know what oh, i mean like sure. it's so sure. far this from release there's it's all up this, in the air this, this um, is this is a a read from me uh a far out read as it were uh yeah anyway uh yeah that's so that, so that's eric kane i like eric kane a lot yeah um i, I guess it's back to me yeah all right so I'm just to kind of preface this. I listen, I like read and listen to a lot of the people that you've mentioned so far, and I'm kind of running short on my own list because, like I said, the way I usually do things is I find it through either the Super Best Friend cast or through, uh, excuse me, or through um, or through Reddit, and then I kind of individually research on my own. Um, and so these are going to be these last couple. If I even have more than like two of them, are going to be very narrow. So this next one is going to be um, it's going to be cross counter TV, um, specifically Gutex and Mike Ross. I have never heard of any of these people. You've never heard of Gutex and Mike Ross? No. Uh, so I mean, I'm not surprised that you've never heard of them. I guess because they are specifically fighting games people. They are Street Fighter oh, people. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, and um, they're kind of good for like under like under predicting specifically what's going to happen with the Street Fighter Five meta, what's up with the Street Fighter Four meta, talking about the basic fundamentals of the of those kinds of games and what's what's happening there about the competitive scene about 
about like the amateur level, about the professional level, and all of, all of that stuff taken together. Um, and the only reason you might have heard of them is because they're probably the two biggest names. Um, so they're like the Thorn and Monty of uh, of fighting y- games. Kind of, yeah, yeah. That that, that would make sense. Okay. I, I think that's I think that's adequate. Um, and so and so they they have this show that they do. Um, it's which is uh, the Excellent Adventures of Gutex and Mike Ross, which is just them playing Street Fighter Four right now before Five is out. But um, I think they're very insightful into kind of what's coming up. Uh, what what has happened? Um, they're they're also funny, and they've got a lot of attitude. And so they they kind of like deliver this kind of um, this kind of whole picture of that scene without um, without kind of uh, uh, well being entertaining, without dropping the ball, like keeping you engaged with um, what's 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 going around and what's going to happen um, and how things are going to be. And I, I just love watching them. Um, I, I probably haven't given you a lot to respond to because I know you, you don't. This is actually just kind of interesting because I, I don't know I don't know anything about the fighting scene. I don't know anybody about like the fighting game uh, kind of meta. Fighting games are like the exact opposite of what I want from my uh, kind of like esports titles uh, because I'm just fundamentally not great at that stuff. Uh, you know, like animation canceling and frame stuff and like you know you know oh I, you know maybe i'm selling myself short because i play yasuo so much um uh, but you know like to me to me i like esports from a like tactical high level teamwork perspective uh that's where that's where i kind of go nuts when it comes to um and, and you know, fighting we, games are not that at all. Yeah, exactly. And fighting games are like execution. the distillation of individual execution. Uh, it's not which, only execution, though. Like, like a lot of fighting games is mind games, which I find very interesting. But I understand your point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's kind of why it's uh, I I did nothing against it. You know, just kind of not my thing. Um, yeah, um, yeah. And like like I said, I I don't have a lot more things specifically to go over. So if you want to. Kind of go with something, go for it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the okay, I guess I'll put you on the spot because I like these two guys a lot, but you have just uh, you have hit me with the with your negativity. Um, two guys that I like a lot and that I follow on YouTube. I've actually been following these guys for like years at this point, which is kind of interesting um, to see kind of them evolve to a certain extent from like their super early videos to their now videos. Uh, but, uh, the first guy I guess we should talk about is Errant Signal. You've seen how, what videos of his have you seen? Oh, off the top of, off the top of your head. I, I don't even remember anymore. Um, whatever you should, whatever you showed me, um, Aaron Signal, I, I man, what would I have showed you? Like, uh, I assume the other guy you're going to talk about is Super Bunny Hop, right? So yeah, Super Bunny Hop is my second guy. <laughs> I, I they, like they, they are kind of uh, the, 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 just to why I pay attention to them is um, there's a couple of people that go this hardcore in depth. Um, another one who just started up not all that long ago. I guess I will plug his YouTube channel uh, or whatever. Is uh, God, I'm blanking on his name off the top of my head now that I have said that i'm going to plug his channel um whatever um the 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 kinds of super in-depth stuff that i like like really going deep into is exactly what um is exactly what he 
Aaron Signal and Super Bunny Hop do, right? They go really hardcore into the mechanics, uh, into, you know, the narrative, into dissecting why these things work, don't work. Uh, and I, I just, I love that. It's such a, first of all, I, I don't even agree with them half the time, I, but it's just always so great to see someone like really engage hardcore with, uh, with, a piece like that you know like first it's, you're gonna hate this Aaron signal has two videos on civilization civilization beyond earth and just like kind of an all-purpose civilization for you know one through five and the kind of whatever um where he talks about how the civilization mechanics uh are actually very americanized versions of like what like civilization and world peace and all that kind of stuff you can't get world peace in civilization by solving world hunger right you know you can't get you can't get i know this is gonna make you kill yourself i can tell you can't get um (laughs) you know it's it's a game where so much uh, so much effort is put into you know the conquest and military stuff that i can't even say this with a straight face because i can hear you like wincing Where like conquest of military stuff that it begs you, you it begs you, you to be a, a conqueror, head. and you know, and I don't, I don't even necessarily agree with that stuff. I actually agree with the hunger strike one or the the hunger one, right? Like I think there is to a certain extent, um, you know, I what what the fuck is the uh, space ending? I think the space ending is so stupid for science. I think I feel like science should be like the singularity would be a much better version of that, uh, or. Uh, uh, isn't that know, isn't that this one of the endings for for Beyond Earth? Yeah, that is one of the endings for Beyond Earth. Um, uh, I, I was I was speaking in the context of Civ Five. Sorry, okay. um, well, Civ Five always it was always so weird to me that a quote unquote science victory was just getting to getting to Andromeda, getting to another. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's Alpha Centauri, but yeah, or Alpha Centauri. Sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, it was always just like, why why is that the science ending? That's the, the pinnacle of science is space ex- exploration. Come, like, kind of come on. Um, I mean, I, I think I think it's so. This is kind of why I, I kind of dislike this analysis, is that at the end of the day, that's just like a convenient way to express like a civilization that has done very well with science. Like you could have made that ending cutscene, like you know, world hunger ends, and you could be could have been building parts for like the food maker instead of for the spaceship. But it's just kind of like the abstraction that they chose. And I think. Like, that's the kind of thing that smacks to me of reading way too hard into it. And that kind of oh, reason see, why... Th- th- this is also a thing. I'm not... I, I'm not convinced there is such thing as reading too hard into something. I think there is such thing as misreading something, right? Uh, but, uh, you know... I, it, basically, I, 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 I basically there, there his point, be, though, though, is right? that abstraction is... You know, like, that abstraction was a choice that they made, right? And that choice bears its criticism, right? Where the, the thing that they chose to represent a science victory might not necessarily be the most appropriate choice, uh, which I think is a fair criticism. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that, like, at, at the, like, Civilization in particular is a game that, like, really comes down to its its mechanics. And at that point, it's just, like, a picture that represents the, the mechanics you're generating. Like, do you want to talk, like, you know, it's also fairly, you know, unrealistic that they rec- represent science in like discrete units that you can spend on technology, and that's also true. And he also criticizes that. <laughs> and, and, so, and so that's what I love about you know, like that's what I love about him is that uh, you know, and because I believe this, right? Every mechanic has you know, like mechanics are metaphors, right? And mechanics have meaning, and certain mechanics are great. I don't at think their- I don't think mechanics are necessarily metaphors. I think they're like they're just easy abstractions. 
Like, it's are health points like a metaphor for the human spirit and the willingness to fight? Well, the way that that the way that an HP system works totally could be that, right? You know, for instance, I, I mean, mean, this is this that, is a bad no... one, right? Uh, but Duke Nukem doesn't have an HP bar; he has an ego bar, and this is the stupidest thing I know. He has an ego bar. That's his health is represented by his ego, um, which creates the funny because it's a pop and shot, like a stop and pop shooter, like Call of Duty. When he takes a couple of bullets, he has to hide behind a corner so he can feel better about himself, so that he yeah. can fight again. Or, and, or, but like, I think that bears or, or like, that. Or like assassin's criticism. i mean or like assassin's creed is like you know a, a, your synchronization with the simulation that you're inside of um which is an interesting kind of explanation for it but i don't think that it has to it has to be something right like sure it, it's neat and it's maybe even better from a narrative standpoint if you can justify the hp health system somehow but if they don't that doesn't necessarily mean that it means anything that when when they don't like you know, in Pathfinder, is is the fact that HP is an abstraction, a, 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 a fl- like a flaw, or is it just a, a you know a what's a, a convenient way to to make the mechanics work? Um, I think that all that stuff. I just don't agree with that. I think that stuff like bears criticism to a certain extent. Uh, and you know, in Pathfinder, um, you know, HP is I would say a literalization of this. You know, as you gain experience points and get better and better and better and stronger and stronger and stronger, you getting more HP is a literalization of your ability to be more comfortable and fight these fights without going down in, in one shot. You know what I mean? Like, I, that's that's what HP funny. is from funny. from a metaphorical standpoint. I'll funny. stand by that in, in a real... million, million years. That, that I'm 100% so that's, behind that's, that. That's, that's definitely not true, though. Buddy, Why not? Like, it, in, in real life, if you get – like, when you get hit, it's supposed to be you're getting hit with the weapon. No, but, yeah, life, but we're not talking about real life. We're talking axe. about the metaphor that it is. What you metaphor? Are be- the, the metaphor in Pathfinder is you're becoming a hero, right? Like, you are becoming better and better and stronger and stronger. And as you get more and more hit points and you can tank more and more shots, it's a, li- it's a literal system built around your ability to stay in this fight, to stay in this life, right? You don't go down no, when the purple it, worm bites you once. But it's an it's it's an abstraction because it, that that's what makes sense. Like you can't. You, it it it, it is just, that it is that as well. It's both of these. No, things it's at the it's same not. Time. It's it's not just a metaphor because when you get it's, it's I'm not saying it's a, just a metaphor. I'm saying also a metaphor. It but it's supposed to be. It's like quite literally by the mechanics. When you get hit with an axe, it's an axe lodging itself in you, and at that point you can take a lot less hits than your HP would, you know, indicate, and. No, no amount of like claiming it's a, a metaphor will stop a, a sword that's gone through your heart from killing you. Technically speaking, hit points are a because uh, hit points are two things. They are your ability to turn lethal blows into grazing blows, right? Uh, and uh, that's your your life. I don't even think that's true. I one hundred percent. It's not for the Pathfinder system. It's 100% in there. I can't remember where uh, – I, I think I might be quoting 3.5 to be completely honest. Uh, but that's exactly what – you know, like that's what hit points are an abstraction for. You're, it's not an axe lodging itself in you. It's an axe is coming to lodge itself in you and it just gives you a slice that you sounds, know, in your shoulder instead of like, like severing your arm off. I think that's the justification for the wound system in like Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. It is also the... the justification for the vitality system in uh, in Star Wars, but it's the same thing. It's the it's the uh, I mean, obvi- Star Wars is a D twenty game based 
you know, by wizards at the same time they were making, uh, you know, D&D 3.5. It's just a more complicated version of hit points. But the thing is, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you there. But it's also a way that you systemize this uh it's also a way that you systemize the principle i'm talking about right like you becoming better and better uh, a better and better hero uh and your ability to you know fight more and more powerful monsters is you get more and more hp right sure but i I don't think that 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 makes it like a metaphor that's a convenient game mechanic so that the game's fun but it's it's, also a metaphor it's a metaphor on top of that i don't i don't i don't Think it is. I think. I think. I think that's reading way too into it. See, that's I think what that's I, think. I don't think that's the thing just is you talking out of your ass. But the thing is, it's, it's, yeah, but the principle, to... the principle I'm describing is that is that principle wrong? What, 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 like the lo- like the logic that I'm describing. Uh, lay it out for me again, so I can. So, I can so here, exactly so here's the thing. So here's so here's the thing, right? Pathfinder is a game, right? Thematically, in general. That is uh, encouraging you to become a hero, right? You know, become sure. better and better so that a level 20 fighter can go toe-to-toe with a Linorm, right? Uh, and a level 1 fighter, you know, like, can't Cannot. or whatever. And sure. so as you are gaining – as you gain HP, like, level after level, it's a literalization of your experience of being that fighter – getting better and better, right? You have more HP with which to absorb the attacks that would otherwise kill you at level, like, 1 or 2, right? Because at level 1 or 2, you have 12 HP. At level 15, you have 120 HP, right? Sure. So a 25-hit shot is going to kill you uh, at level 1, and it's going to... You know, it's just going to take a chunk out of your HP pool. Yes, I will agree with that, yes. Right. So that's the metaphor, right? That... I don't know. If uh, okay, so uh, I, an easier example of this because obviously no, no, no. I did. Like, okay. I, I, I don't think so. My issue with you calling it a metaphor is to like ascribe some like greater meaning to it. It's not like a a a metaphor. It's not a metaphor. It's a little representation of your survivability increasing. And you know, maybe it's not the most realistic representation, but th- that's what it is. It's not a meta- like having higher HP isn't a metaphor for being able to survive more health, survive more hits. It's you can survive more hits. Uh, I, I don't. You, you haven't explained to me why that's not a metaphor. You haven't explained to me why it is a me- um, so the meta. So the metaphor is is say the, the the reason it's metaphorical, right? Is because it's outside the the. <sighs> so so my understanding, like so, I'm, I'm going to read you off the definition of metaphor. A metaphor is a figure of speech that identifies something as being the same as some unrelated thing for rhetorical effect, thus highlighting the similarities between the two. My issue with you calling it a metaphor is that there's – like HP being – letting you survive more hits is not un, unrelated to being able to survive more hits. It's literally the same thing. The, my, my issue is that it's not metaphorical. It's really, literally really that. Okay, so maybe metaphor might be the like the the improper term for it. Or okay, whatever. maybe maybe I'm just but the, but the, my point my point is I apologize for that. my point is is that like it, the the way HP works in the system is thematically appropriate for that system. 
right? Okay, the way yeah, HP works, it reinforces the theme of Pathfinder. In the same way that, like, so for instance, um, and people talk about this all the time in plenty of other games, right? Ammo scarcity in The Last of Us or in uh, you know, the original Resident Evil is to is a mechanic that enhances Enforces the genre. And, and, yes. And, right, yes. right. And so I this is and so this is what I and so um and this happens in the negative sense too, right? Like there are times when you know, uh, Resident Evil 4 is supposed to... Or, I never really played that game, so this is kind of a... I, my understanding of this game is uh, Resident Evil 4, 4 is supposed to be a horror game, but the entire game, it just plays like a third-person shooter. So it's really not all that... You know what I mean? There's not... There, you, the ammo is all over the place. It's a corridor shooter. Uh, there's no choices about trying to avoid monsters uh, that you can't kill. You can just mow all of these zombies down. So it's kind of like, where's the horror in that game? Uh, or specifically, the survival horror in that game. Because the only thing that's testing your survival is these things that are just blatantly killing you, right? Um, this, is a, this is a point where there's, uh, you know... Uh, uh, a break between the the mechanics and you know kind of like the theming of the game. By the way, don't confuse this with ludo narrative dissonance, even though they're kind of sort of similar. Okay, yeah, no, I I, I definitely understand your point about theming. That that seems a lot better to me. Um, and may, maybe I I just got stuck too okay. much in your specific terminology. Sure. But let's, so but to let's, bring but to pull the to pull this let's back, let's roll this right? back to, to 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 the science. My my uh my point is all games have this theming, right? All, all, and whether or not the theming matches up or doesn't match up is kind of like the question in play. And the the thing that he's pointing out about civilization is the theming is very American. Uh, you know, there, there are these very American ideals. Uh, it is a 4X game, right? So obviously exploitation uh, – what are the 4Xs? Exploitation, expansion, exploration uh. – uh, whatever the, 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 those you know these these are very American ideals, uh, and so the theming of civilization is uh, is talking about it, the way that it frames its victory conditions, right? The way that its mechanics are are encouraging you to play the game is giving you you know a certain subset of themings that you know American ideals are the right way to 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 win the game. Uh, that's and that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? He's not necessarily criticizing it. He's just pointing it out. Uh, the criticism of uh, the le- it's not really a criticism. It's just pointing out the fact that what you can't beat the game by you know making an incredibly arduous wonder that solves world hunger, right? You can't beat the game by you know finding the singularity. You can't beat the game by uh, you know. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of other ways that you could hypothetically beat a civilization game. Yeah, you, uh, you can't you can't beat the game by building the nuke that obliterates the 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 entire world at once. You can't beat the game by like right. I and don't so those know. so the choices of the things that are included and the things that are disincluded are like create this this theming one way or the one way or the other, right? Um, and that's you know, and I never thought about civilization in those kinds of terms before. See, uh, see, I'm I'm still going to say that that's overthinking it because I I, I think that's. I think that's looking at it kind of backwards, and I, I think that's kind of like you know saying like ah look at look at this they have ch- clearly chosen to promote uh, American hegemony or or even even without that kind of judgmental stuff like just they like when 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 it's probably when when I think something more accurate to the truth is we need five win conditions that kind of span a different set of ideas we need one for science well, what do we want to do for that a spaceship sounds cool yeah let's do that. 
like that type of thing. So I think that's getting a little hung up on the intent of like the author, which is kind of unrelated. In in that that, that stuff doesn't really matter as far as I'm concerned, and as far as he's concerned, these aren't criticisms uh, necessarily of you know, 2K or Phyraxis for focusing one way or the other. It's just pointing out that because Phyraxis and 2K focused the way that they did, they created a game that is about, you know, ruling the world from, uh, you know, ruling the world using uh, Western... I'm using American specifically because I think there's uh, the the expansion, like the expansionism half of this uh, is a very American ideal. I don't necessarily think of that as like a Western ideal yes, necessarily. Because, because um, you know, the age of colonialism never happened. Sure, but so, you know, an, an, another great parallel for this would be Europa Universalis, which does the exact same thing. Right? That, Europa not... Universalis is literally about... Uh, uh, yes, but that's what, it's, that's, that's what it's supposed to be about, right? Like, they, they, that's... There's there's no like apology or there's there's no like pretension to genericism there like like civilization is supposed to be a game that's relatively generic. Europa Universalis is not. It's supposed to be a game about European powers colonizing the world. Um, so I think or European I, I, powers to the height of colonialism. The thing is, where where do you draw that? Uh, you know, civilization is just generic. I mean, I, I think that's I, I think that's the intent, right? It's it's grown from like so that's the thing. The intent zero. doesn't. Th- that's the thing. The intent doesn't matter from this kind of perspective, right? Um, this is kind of like to get like hardcore media theory about it. this is death of the author stuff, right? Where the only thing that matters is you know the text on the page, the the pixels on the screen, right? So because we I can't wish we talk- had a, I, w- I wish we had a camera for these things. That way, I could look into the camera and just give it like the what the fuck look that I'm giving to like my, my thermostat right now. You really, that, that, that perspective doesn't make sense to you. It's I mean, a what it's, the fuck thing. Maybe not what the fuck. It's just like, I don't know. It, it's, Hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it just doesn't, hmm. because it's not, the, the thing is, I, it's, it's not like saying, because in the same way that I can't say the intent of, uh, you know, I'm trying to think. <sighs> Certain things, obviously, like, you know, the the fatherhood stuff in The Walking Dead is obviously intentional, right? And we sure. can all kind of infer that intention, right? But just saying that this stuff is in civilization isn't saying that Phyraxis didn't. You know what I mean? It's not really saying anything negative about Phyraxis. It's not really sure. talking about Phyraxis at all. It's just talking about this is the worldview that the mechanics are purporting, right? This is the worldview that the mechanics are are you know reinforcing on a, on like a low level um, or on a high level, and whether or not Phyraxis intended that kind of doesn't matter. It's just what's it's just what's there. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, I, 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 maybe I just fundamentally disagree with the the, with this this death of the author thing. But I am not, I am not a student of media as you are, um, and so I, 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 I have less than educated opinions on on those those types of subjects. Um, it just seems to me that there's something fundamentally wrong with assigning uh, assigning an, uh, a, a value to something that's assigning a a what I'm going to call a, a literary value, which is probably a poor term, but it's the best I can think of at this moment, to something that seems to me to be purely mechanical. 
Yeah, I think that's the thing is that there's nothing from from this kind of point of view. There's really nothing purely mechanical. You know what I mean? Um, and I think this that that's a you know this is a perspective that uh, you you and I have fought about before. What is the you know what is the literary meaning of Tetris? Right? You know, that's that's a tough one. I don't know that I could really get into it. You know, I, I don't have an answer for that off the top of my head, uh, even though the fact that uh, – And I have, I have a very simple one. It's none, and it's tetrominoes are neat and science. And, you know, and, <laughs> so the and, thing you is, know Russian the, scientists you know, thought that tetrominoes even, were neat. Even if, even if that is the perspective, there that's, that's the key. You, yeah, I, I do kind of think uh, that those kinds of uh, – <laughs> uh, I think that that you know that that counts to a certain extent. That you know that is that is nobody. I don't want it uh, to count. I want that to be is, grumpy. That is first of all. Uh, that is first of all abstract, right? Which is what a lot of these things are. Um, and you and I have thought about this before, and we should have talked about this. This would have been like the perfect topic for our you know like what our games episode. But I think every game has a protagonist and a narrative. Uh, well, a narrative is kind of the wrong word. A story. Um, even games like Tetris, because games necessitate players and players, uh, and when there is no, you know, when there is no Master Chief, uh, and even when there is a Master Chief, you can kind of, you sub in the player as the protagonist of that game, and you can actually see that basically every game ever has the same kind of story arc as uh, every other story ever, um, which yeah. is... I don't yeah, think I, I agree with that. I know you don't agree with that. You know what's funny about this? I remember we, we had this conversation like two years ago. And then I said something. We were talking about it. Since you were really mad about it. Or not mad about it, but like you were arguing me hard on it. And then and then you said, um, and then you said like, this isn't a movie. You know, not there's not always a story. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. There's not a protagonist in every movie. Are you kidding? Right? Like some movies are just, you know, and whatever. You're like, I fuck it. I'm out. I can't do this. <laughs> because... But then, you know, but that's true because there are movies, and I've seen these because they're experimental films and they all suck, by the way. I just want to tell you they all suck. But, you know, it's things like – it's like a 45-minute video of uh, – and it's technically a movie, right? It's technically a movie of um, of a guy washing his car to, like, soulful jazz in an all-pink room and the car is a slightly darker shade of pink and you watch you watch the car get you know and it's not even all that dirty at first but you just get it watching it like more and more wax but you never actually see the guy you just see his hand on the rag and i wanted to shoot myself it was the biggest <laughs> like it was oh my god it's like the most art house bullshit art house thing that you could ever think of right like this is what i'm talking about right but yeah most movies obviously do have uh, do have protagonists but anyway oh man we've got so off topic i like aaron single because uh uh you know i like to think about games a lot in these kinds of perspective and sometimes i think he goes too far and misreads uh certain things for instance you know he doesn't actually think that bioshock is all that much about objectivism it just kind of uses objectivism as window dressing which i think of is fundamentally incorrect i think bioshock is a lot about objectivism uh specifically a critique of it um and uh, and so, you know, I think he misses the mark, right? There's definitely times when he misses the mark or is more judgmental about something than he kind of has a right to be. Um, but, uh, yeah, I like, I like that guy a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I just, just to kind of close it out, I, I think I figured out, like, the, the fundamental difference here is, like, you, you, you say, like, I, I think, you know, he misreads this thing. And 
and I think the difference between you and me is that like sometimes like you know I'm, I'm sure there are times when he would like something like something like that where I could disagree with him or agree with him um uh and uh and you know maybe this is a, a greater thing but like you know in some cases you want to say like I think he misreads that because it's about this instead in some cases I want and like in cases for me I want to say like he misreads that and and instead there's nothing there like just like you know I don't think you accept the null set as an answer oh yeah I don't think there is such thing uh I think you know there's there's always something sure. kind of underneath there and sometimes and by the way sometimes it is ridiculously straightforward right like sometimes they are just easy easy you know <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy and the Avengers are both movies about friendship being good and working together and cooperation getting you farther than you would be able to get on your own that is obvious it's like it's like kindergarten stuff you know what i mean completely simple completely uncomplicated but it's still there right um and i think there's a lot of that kind of you know there's a lot of that kind of stuff uh to a certain extent you know for instance i actually think something i was thinking about tetris uh tetris is a game that you always lose um and so I think that you can make a case for Tetris on the back end being about kind of uh, like weirdly nihilistic and but like but like optimistically oh nihilistic. I, I have read. I have read. <laughs> I read. I read. I read, I read a, 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 a some think piece that suggested that Tetris was about like you know the the endless trudge of 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 the of life in communist Russia because for for similar reasons. See, yeah, that you know, I mean, because the thing is, I is don't that they, think. I think you can stay abstract with it and be fine. You know what I mean? Because you always there is no win state to to Tetris. You you just keep getting blocks, and some there is no version of Tetris that you 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 have to lose Tetris at some point, right? Um, oh, that's that's not true. So, some games have end states usually when their integer counter overflows, and it's mostly in the older games where they didn't have as many bits. But yeah, wait, really? Um, I I think like. I think the original Tetris can be beat. It might be like 255 levels, but huh. theoretically, you're right. Like you could you could have endless Tetris, right? Right. Like and so is... and so that's the thing. And so and I think that there, those kinds of that that basic basic uh, contextually, this is a lot of, of what like roguelikes are like to a certain extent, where there is no win state, only lose states. Uh, that does contextualize things into a pretty. Uh, uh, Most uh, roguelikes have win states. They're just very hard to achieve. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about like true true roguelikes like yeah you know, most like dwarf do like dwarf fortress or something. Dwarf like fortress that. isn't a roguelike. That's that's a weird thing to say. Uh, I guess it is kind of a weird thing to say. I know you, I, I'm thinking a bit more about it late. But that that like, you're thinking, I think oh, like think Minecraft. I'm thinking Minecraft. like Minecraft. Okay, yeah, uh, that's not, that's not a really a roguelike. To... But yes, yes, I see what you mean uh, like construction games. I guess world building well, games. or ju- or just like a game that has no win state but does have sure. lose states, right? Okay, fair. Um, or like you know. Uh, like, yeah, Diablo's not a really good example either. I guess. Yeah, I so, sorry, sorry to jump on you. It's just sorry to jump on you about that. It's just like you know, like roguelikes usually have like you can beat the game if you go all the way to like NetHack, which is probably one of the most famous roguelikes besides Rogue itself. Is you go to the bottom of the dungeon, then you go all the way to the top of the dungeon again, and you win. Um, but yeah, it's very I, hard I, to do. I, I find it funny because I actually get on people like that for you know for like misusing the term roguelike because I do think it gets misused a lot. No, uh, it does. Ro- but, roguelike uh, in particular, yeah. It, it's also it, I, I think. Oh man, we we don't have many much time left in this in this cast. But if you want to talk about like, you know, I know I know we were like you know singing dictionaries at each other isn't useful, but like, 
the way like terms get used like rpg elements rogue like moba elements like the, the, that all like because you just kind of get thrown around without like a hard definition it's extremely like confusing and sometimes infuriating like see i think the the core problem there is a misunderstanding of the idea of genres and people wanting to create categories like you know they create like genre categories in the sense of i know what an action movie is i know what a comedy is right uh, i know what an rpg is i know what a what a yeah. what a strategy <laughs> game is uh, but yeah. it's a lot harder to do that from a mechanics perspective than it is from a story perspective um because yeah uh, like like roguelike gets bandied about essentially just means characters can die permanently like yeah, that, yeah, that, exactly. That's the way it gets used a, a lot, which which I don't think is is perfect. But I, you know, I, I think there are better explanation or there are better definitions for it. But th- that kind of thing like bothers me. Um, you know, just just the fact that that like you know, we, like we we could like you know, at, having gone through years of arguments with you where where the the, <laughs> the apparent the 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 apparent issue was we were both were using a using words with the same word with a different definition not necessarily even our own faults for that like i mean that, that tell kind me of, am i allowed to feel cheated by the first boss in undertale okay I don't know. do you do, do you want to uh, <laughs> well, no do, no do i, so I know why, no but i so i know why that happened right is because you're looking at cheat from the perspective of uh the system cheated right the system broke the rules like that's the version of cheat whereas i'm talking it from the perspective of i feel cheated you know what i mean okay. like that yeah. feeling of being like gypped is what is what i'm trying to describe um and i think that's the core of what that argument that was prob- about that, 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 that sounds about right but I, I i don't think we've got time to get it uh, i mean if, if we if we agree to that kind of interpretation we could do that now but uh do we, do we want to? Or just uh, we we are sure. a little bit off topic. I, I also want to get your feelings on because we've gotten super hard oh, off topic. I do want to get your feelings on uh, Super Bunny Hop because you mentioned him specifically. Oh, I, I like Super Bunny Hop better than Errant Signal. I think Errant Signal is like 99% pretension. Um, but Have super you watched bu- all of his stuff? No, I haven't. But I then can't how stomach can you say that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> He, uh, to be honest, he's made, a, he's made a pretty big focus uh, in like the latter day. Uh, kind of uh it like the 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 more recent Aaron single stuff has been very focused on indie art games um which are admittedly more forgiving to these kinds of uh to these kinds of like readings and all that kind of stuff um and so that and and also you know you'll 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 tell me that the author's dead but I, i think that's also kind of the intention of those games like indie art games are sure, are begging sure to yeah. be interpreted like that. Um, um, and so I think that is you know that's a more natural place for him. Uh, though he did do a great video on Destiny that I really really enjoyed because uh, it it kind of put to thought a lot of things that I think about when I think about MMORPGs. You know, like people describe like WoW or whatever as like a fundamentally bad game. Um, you know, like with the kind of like cheap comparisons to stuff like Farmville. And I really think those things are, uh, I, I think those are kind of unfair because the core loop in a game like destiny or the core loop in a game like, wow, is antithetical to the core loop of most of the, of most games in general, uh, which ask you to binge on them, right? Most games in general ask you to binge really hard on them for a long time and then put them down kind of forever. But like, wow. And destiny are like, Hey, sign on, 
you know, half hour, 45 minutes, do your stuff, right? You get a bunch of rewards, but everything past that is just grinding. So don't worry about it. You know what I mean? And I think that that's a great, great loop for a game like an MMORPG uh, that makes it easy for me to play WoW for just months and months on end. Uh, you know, I couldn't do that with other games Um because I think, because I think it's just kind of designed from the ground up from that perspective, and so I, that is, you know, like stuff like that, like those insights, are, I think, are super key for him. But anyway, let's talk about Super Bunny Hop. Yeah, no, th- that might be fair, and and for Aaron Signal, just to respond to your last point, that might just be my initial kind of, uh, you know, I, I've seen a couple of videos and I and I found them insufferable, so I never looked back. But I'm, if you have anything in particular you want to send to me, I, I won't not watch him. Um, this jeez. Ca- I'm trying just to think what would be a great video for you and Signal. I'll, I'll um, think about it. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like a, a, a last note of the things that we read and don't read. Um, I, rather famously in our friend group, will not read anything published by Kotaku because I don't want to support the Gawker Network, um, which I think is, is something that we, we haven't talked about at all, which is like what we won't read. And I think I'm the only – I think of this pair of people, I'm the only one that won't read something on those types of grounds. Yeah, I, um, I will read anything. I actually like Kotaku kind of – I think there's a lot of idiocy that comes out of Kotaku to a certain extent. Like people publish – it's it's hard because, you know, I think I think journalists specifically and outlets get bad raps because they publish stupid stuff sometimes. Like, sure. yeah, per, per, like Patricia Hernandez's article about uh, killing killing no, women in uh, in FPS shooters is akin to rape is dumb. That's that's stupid, right? You know, but I can agree with that. But also, I can read one of her uh, regular articles about anything else right uh and there you know and there's some insight there and i think you know yeah people publish shitty stuff but people also publish good stuff uh and no uh, i i absolutely agree with that and, and my opposition to reading kotaku is not is not one based in uh kind of like disdain for the content it's in disdain for the network that it's part of and a, a refusal to a refusal to financially support that institution which is kind of a a, a, a yeah i, I issue. I certainly agree with you, but uh, I also just like I, I like a lot of the, I like I like Stephen Totillo a lot, the editor in chief of Kotaku. I think he's really smart. He's like really insightful about stuff. What I like about him, uh, you know, he's a big fan of the Assassin's Creed games, uh, and he and I agree a lot in how we look at the Assassin's Creed games, um, kind of from like a. You know, a little bit from like this. This, you know, I, I I like Assassin's Creed Revelations a lot. Assassin's Creed Revelations is a game entirely about fathers and sons, right? And about like that kind of legacy. Um, and uh, and he got that, you know, like one hundred percent. He's like one of the only people I read who was doing a review of Assassin's Creed Re- Revelations and understood kind of that underlying underlying thematic stuff. So I really appreciate, uh, you know, I pre- really appreciate that kind of stuff. I also like it for. Uh, you know, there's a polygon is a similar place that does similar things. Um, yeah, I you know I, I I usually don't like say Arthur Geese from Polygon, but you know that wants because yeah, I like Polygon. Yeah, I think he's pretty stupid <laughs> overall. But <laughs> no, I, I I agree 100%. But because I do not have a vendetta against Polygon, I will read Polygon articles if they are linked to me. Um, a lot of this is also just kind of places I will go if I'm like I will. You know, type in the address bar if I'm looking for stuff. Um, but to, to unwind back to your original point about Super Bunny Hop, so I can uh, explain that to you, is um, um, I just haven't watched a lot of him. Um, 
and maybe maybe I'll try and bring him back into the rotation in in the interests of uh, kind of uh, expanding my horizons, as it were. He's he's a good middle ground, I think, between Total Biscuit and Aaron Signal to a certain extent. You know, he just put out a video. Um, he just put out a video called "Online Only Avoid Holy" or whatever, and it's actually great because it starts out as like a huge condemnation of online. Uh, uh, of uh, online-only multiplayer games or whatever, but is very clearly a satire, uh, you know, like the first minute yeah. or two. Uh, and what he's really getting into is how he, you know, how people get really mad at, you know, Star Wars Battlefront or Rainbow Six Siege for not having a single-player mode when those games are fundamentally built to be multiplayer experiences. Yeah. And so why are we asking for a tacked-on single-player, and by the way, on the opposite end of the spectrum, why are we asking for a tacked-on multiplayer on games like Spec Ops The Line um, when, you know, clearly we've spent the last 10 years of, like, you know, uh, gaming proving that those things don't coalesce? Right um, and should be focused on opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, that 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 actually sounds like something that I would have a good time watching because I kind of fundamentally agree with that opinion. So it's a good way to ease me in. Ironically, I actually kind of disagree with that opinion. I think uh, I I think uh, I I I just think it's a little. from like an industry perspective, I don't like a rule along those lines. Um, oh, sure. I think I don't, the I don't think Assassin's Creed multiplayer is really good and really awesome and fun, and it, and it fits the game. You know what I mean? Like, I think oh, the Mass sure. Effect 3 multiplayer is great. I think um, the Horde modes in games like Gears of War and stuff like that fit just as easily alongside those single-player games. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, I don't like the either-or tonality of it, but, for, but once that is gone... Uh, that I I'm I'm with you I, I I'm yeah no I, I I get that I, I think I think you and I probably align on that but we are also running over yes we are so. totally running over time so uh, yeah I guess that's uh, those are some of our perspectives on the gaming culture I yeah guess. um and and we'll I think we'll try and provide links to most of these things the first of which will probably just be reddit.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, um, yeah. The, that way you can. That way you can. You can. Uh, when you listen, you'll hear nothing new because it will just be all the things we've read that week. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's there's no uh, there's no channel this week. Um, I am away from home on business in a much different time zone, um, and so we will not be playing either, or we won't be playing Rise of the Rune Lords. And then the next week, Rune Lords returns as well as uh, Hell's Rebels starting. Right? Yeah, Hell's Rebels starts on. Wait, what does it start on? The February tenth, I believe. February tenth, Wednesday. Oof, I'm so excited. I am excited as well. Uh, um, cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess that's it for us. So thank you, loyal listeners, for tuning Farewell, in. Farewell, dear listeners. <laughs> Farewell.